Okay. Welcome. No, back. no. Sorry. Quieter. All right. Quieter. See, there, you, you can't bark at people. They're just putting on their headphones. They're like, "Hello, good morning." And people, the, the listeners want enthusiasm. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Welcome back to Firewall. As usual, I'm your host Bradley Tusk. As usual, this is a Tuesday episode. So our friend and producer Hugo Lindgren is here with us. Hugo, how's it going? It's going good. I'm going to look, listen to this. We're going to get a little sound effect. I Ready? was Ready? in. Wait, Ch- hold on. Hold on. Oh. Ooh, Chicago nice, this weekend, and somebody was telling me how much they literally enjoy the sound of your voice. The sound of my voice? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, uh, I said he enjoys it. Was it, it. Was he, it a, he, a weird, crazy person? He, he enjoys it, too. Yeah, it was just some guy in the street who stopped me and said, you do that podcast with Hugo, right? That guy, what a voice. Yeah, So exactly. mellifluous. Oh. Yeah. I think it was Taylor Swift who said that. <laughs> yeah, after, after Taylor's Abby, been after me for a after while. After Abby was concerned that she might be upset with her podcast comments. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we're, um, we're going to start today. Where are we, Bradley? We're just telling oh, everybody. Oh, right, right. Sorry. We are at PNT Netware in our studio, podcast studio at 180 Orchard Street. It's part of our bookstore. It is a studio that is free for anyone to use. So if you want to host a podcast, just let us know uh, or come by and buy some books or a cup of coffee. And also thanks uh, to those of you who are kind of rating and reviewing us. Supposedly, the more that I know you about it, the more you'll do it. And the more you do it, the more that makes other people listen to the show. So whether it's Apple or or do you know anyone that doesn't use either Apple or Spotify as a platform? I mean, they they mention like Stitcher all yeah, the time, but right. I don't know I've anybody. I've never seen it. Stitcher. I'm always amazed that those are still businesses. All these other podcast platforms, because you're like, like how how many sort of niche? I guess that's the thing about the world, right? They're just all sorts of people who seek out some kind of like emblem of their personality by like using a different podcast yeah, platform. Yeah, maybe. And I think also it gets to a larger point in venture that I know I often either do or want to express to founders, which is. This is an interesting idea. You could make a very nice living doing this. It is not a venture-backed, scalable, multi-billion-dollar business. So, for example, oh, I don't know the economics right. of alternative podcast platforms, but they don't have. They only have to become billion-dollar companies if people like me are investing in them, right? If you just went ahead and created it and it had an EBIT of three million dollars a year, you'd be like, I make a really good living. You know, right. there's nothing wrong with that. I think to a certain extent. People are taking venture money when they don't really have a business that that profiles to be truly scalable, and I think they're getting it because there's just too much money in venture capital right now. That's a that's a really interesting way of thinking about it, and and uh, it, you just sort of wonder is is a is a podcast platform possibly like a labor of love for someone? And I guess it probably is, right? Like it it, it seems hard to imagine that you're like I, I just want a podcast platform that's done right. I don't want to make a lot of money. I just want it done right. Maybe. I mean, look, this podcast is a labor of love for, for me, at least. I pay you, so <laughs> less less for you. It's a labor of pay for yeah. me. <laughs> uh, I, like to, I like to pretend that you also enjoy it. No, I do enjoy it. Are you kidding? It, it's, uh, it's, it's, my, it's my my one public platform. There we go. So uh, the first thing we're going to do today is we were debating over the weekend or discussing kind of the things that we do in society today that either we just do without thinking twice or maybe we think twice, but we don't not do it. That in a, ver- a period of time, 50 years, 100 years, 250 years, will either seem totally barbaric to us or just like a really stupid just idea. Just gone? Just gone. Gone because it was stupid. Not gone because it just sort of dissipated. So what's the thing when you think of something from like 200 years ago that was normal in society that's gone? I mean, the obvious right. one is slavery, right? Slavery, slavery. And then lack of people couldn't vote. People couldn't, you know, get married. I mean, I think I think what we've had in the last couple of hundred years um, has been, especially in the last kind of since World War II, 
a significant expansion of rights for everyone other than white men who already had all the rights. So um, I think, and that's that's probably in some ways more substantial than anything on my list of what might change going forward. But but again, you know, you live in times where you live in the context of the time that you're in, right? And you may see things are happening and choose not to act on it or to oppose it. But overall, basically, you accept the context, um, and it takes you know time and history to show like, wow, I can't believe they did that. Okay, so what's our time frame here? Are we going to use like, uh, I mean, I think anything that's like in the, like even a hundred years feels so long and our society is changing so fast that I feel like even in a hundred years, can we say 50 or is it, no, is it too small? The problem is that all of these things, at least on my list, have such big industries behind them right. that they're not going to completely disappear in 50 years. Probably. Okay. Because keep in mind, this is not something that just gets technically outdated and they go away. These are societal norms changing, okay. which then lead to the end of these industries. So I'll let you pick first in the draft. Oh, I get to pick first in the yeah, draft? sure. Why not? Okay, so the thing I was thinking, I, I always try to, I mean, whatever, it's not like I always try to think counterintuitively, but there's, you know, and this is an area that you would are, are very vocal about and, and interested in, which is like narcotics. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like the idea that there are certain substances that are like the, the dividing line between what you can and can't take in our current time seems so kind of arbitrary yep. and subject to like weird historical um, sort of reasons and, and, and religious reasons and things that aren't really to do with anything of how people live their lives. So, and, and as we were just talking before we came on, there was a, there was a pretty jarring story in the, in the Wall Street Journal about three New Yorkers who ordered cocaine from a delivery service and it had, it was laced with fentanyl and all three of them died. And it, it was just sort of like this, just purposeless, useless. I mean, in in drugs in America, it's it's a tiny little ripple of a, a tragedy, but it but it's 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 emblematic of. Yeah, of how I mean, I, th I think ultimately, I would argue that the illegalization or criminalization of drugs is another attempt to control the masses, right? And that's true whether it's not updating voting technology so that we can elect better people. That's true whether it's sort of peddling versions of afterlives that sort of just clearly mean you act in my best interest at all times. Okay. And I think drugs is kind of the same thing. Is there a harm to them? Yeah, absolutely. But would those three people have died if they bought cocaine at the dispensary as opposed to from a delivery service? No, they would not have. And let's think about what happens when the status quo remains. It means tens of billions of dollars in funding for the DEA and the FBI and all these mega bureaucracies that just want to protect their turf at all costs. It means tremendous corruption opportunities for officials in other countries, like I think there was this report once that the Mexican defense secretary took $100 million in bribes from the cartels. Um, it doesn't disturb the cartels themselves, who are extremely powerful entities at this point. And so you, you could see how the governments, the leading businesses, whether legal or illegal, like things the way they are, but the thing, the way, keeping them the way they are, I don't think there's anything to, to reduce drug use. I think it just makes it more unsafe. So um, what's the next big drug decriminalization landmark for you? We, we talked about Biden and, yeah. and marijuana. That's, that's, I mean, that's important, but it feels like just an evolutionary so there's, step. There's, there's two ways to think about this then, right? So one, the natural one that everyone talks about would be psychedelics, right? That they are following. And like, you know, for example, my class, one of the- Your class at Columbia. At Columbia, one of the assignments, one of the groups is focusing on legalizing psychedelics um, in specific states. And 
I do think that if you were just sort of making a bet and saying what's most likely to follow the path of marijuana, it is psychedelics. Um, however, I think the, and I don't have a problem with it. I'm happy to see it happen. And I think as listeners know, I've, I've been a big proponent of uh, ketamine therapy. But um, it's not that widespread, right? So like, I do think it's a good thing. I think people should be able to access psychedelics for their own mental health or, or even use them recreationally if they want. But um, is it going to really have a scalable impact like legalizing cocaine would or other opiates would or some type of other amphetamine or whatever else? No. So I think if, we, if, if our goal is to say we want to regulate and tax and treat drugs in a different way than we have to date, um, you probably need something more heavily used than, than psychedelics. So what is the time frame on that, do you see? Is this like a... In 50 years? So, so on the dr- so drugs... So what happens in five years? In, in, in five in- years, marijuana is off of Schedule 1, which means you're starting to see uh, interstate commerce, banking, transport, advertising. What it really means what you're seeing is the Unilevers, the Anheuser-Buschs, the Philip Morrises, the big companies who either are really good at consumer products or do other vice things and want to either expand to replace declines in trends like smoking or do it just to make more money either way or both, um, they'll all be in the game in five years. And I would also say in five years, some more jurisdictions around the U.S. will have decriminalized psychedelics. And let, let's be ambitious and say one state has actually legalized possession of it as opposed to just decriminalizing it, right? Um, and then I think there's a big intuitive gap after you're done with psychedelics, right? So psychedelics— You mean in 50 years? Yeah, in 50, <laughs> right. Like, But the question is how do you then get from psychedelics, which still kind of feels harmless-ish, to cocaine? to heroin, to... Well, how much do you think the whole opioid like problem has set back the legalization A, a lot, trend? but I guess the question is partly this. If you legalized a couple things, so one opioid, one amphetamine, one psychedelic, whatever it is, that you could sort of regulate and control and tax and everything else... Would the market accept that as sufficient and say, great, I can now safely, legally, inexpensively buy a version of whatever it is that I want to use? Or does the market say, look, I want fucking fentanyl or I want uh, you know, black tar heroin or whatever it is. And if that's not available in the stores, um, there's still a thriving market for it. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that there will be a, a, a lot of criminality that continues even you know, as they roll out sort of legalized drugs. I mean, the, the there's just too many options, too many sort of conveniences, too many different ways that that, um, but that consumers means, want. So that means there's that means therefore the black market thrives, or it just means that whatever restrictions are initially imposed kind of go away because capitalism just sort of swallows all of that whole. I think the black market thrives. I think it's too, there's there's a, I mean, for, for as far as I can see into the future, there's going to be a significant criminal element behind drugs. I, I, I think there's too much, there's, first of all, because, you know, a lot of people won't want to just walk into a store and use it. They, you know, I, I go into, you can, you can buy weed all over the city, but you can still buy it in Washington Square Park from, from, you know, you, illegal you, dealers. You, you can, but then the risk of it being laced with fentanyl is a lot higher. No, it is. But for some reason they're still selling it and people are still buying it. Yeah. So. Well, look in California, because the taxes are so high, there is still a pretty thriving black market because dealers can actually sell it below the retail costs, right? right? So I think that's always a taxation, really, and this is now important and fast, but 
taxation is is not really about economics. It's about policy and behavior, right? And you want to either use higher taxes to disincentivize people to do things or lower taxes to incentivize them um, to do it. So like it's a true University of Chicago graduate. Yeah. So when you're setting the tax rate, what you want to do is not say, oh, this is immoral. So I'm imposing an 80% tax on or 70% tax, whatever it is. It's what is the tax rate that will generate the most amount of money for the government without producing, sending people into an alternative market to procure the, the, the item, right? That's, right? that's how you have to think about it. And so California did not think about it that way as a result. So I think if you did have a legal market of other drugs, you know, I don't know what the number is, but it's got to be low enough that it is, you know, at least no it doesn't more provide expensive an opportunity, right? in a dispensary than it would be in, in Washington Square Park. But but let's go to the other stuff that okay. I think. So wait, yeah. it's your pick now. So if we're drafting, you get to pick one. So I, I took yours because I right. knew you were going to take it, which is what you do when you draft. All right. right. Yeah. So this this one is the most obvious one, but um, I think eating meat and animals for for two reasons. The, the main one being our. I own want a time frame on that too. Less than you think, like 50 years. 50 years in the U.S., 100 years. No hamburgers in 50 globally. years? No plant-based hamburgers, sure. But no no. Do you eat plant-based based. hamburgers? You know, once in a blue moon, I'll have an impossible something with Abby. Right. Um, and, you know, it's fine. I wouldn't say it's great, but it's fine. Um, my, my brother had, a, like, a, a vegetarian bratwurst at, uh, at the Madison Square Garden the other what day. What do you think? It was nasty. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's it's still not totally there. I'm but into it, vegetables. I'm fine with them. It, I just don't want them repackaged right. as meat. It, it's going to get there, though, right? And and what you're saying is fine until all of a sudden, you know, there's Miami's six feet underwater and your perspective starts to change, right? Or, you know, um, so I, Do you I think th that's how it works, though? Do you think we look at, like, the Miami coastline and think, wow, I better eat less meat? I think that when we are extreme events happen— that shock us completely because we just didn't take it seriously enough, that's when major legislation and major societal normative changes can happen. How is your own, so you've obviously tried Impossible Burgers and stuff, but you are uh, still- a meat eater, yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, I kind of feel on one hand that I shouldn't for two reasons. One is clearly, you know, we will have less climate change if more people didn't eat, especially beef, because of the methane that, that comes from cows. Uh, but two, you know, I've become, as an adult, an animal lover. So I never had any pets at all growing up. And then about six years ago, we got Sam, our dog. And about, a, you know, less than a year ago, we got Princess Carolyn, our cat. And I really love them. And so I'm now starting to struggle. You never had pets as kids? Never. So now I'm really starting to struggle a little bit with the notion of you know, now that I'm an animal lover, um, how do I feel about eating meat? Now, I'm not eating dog and cat, but there's not a giant logical leap between that or beef or, or lamb or It whatever. is kind of funny how narrow, like, our, our, our meat-eating habits are. You know, like, they, like, I was talking with the girls, uh, my daughters, about, what were you talking about? It's like, eating some kind of squirrel or something. Um, and, like, people just... I mean, in New York City, like, people just eat, like, basically chicken, pork, beef. Yeah, there are, like, some neighbors on Staten Island eat squirrel, but other than that, it's really not popular here anywhere. Um, yeah. So, so, all right, but I'm, I'm going to take— you know, there probably is a neighborhood at, in, in, in Staten Island where they eat squirrel. There well, there's is. definitely—so when—it's um, <laughs> terrible to admit, but I think the statute of limitations has probably expired. So when I was at the Parks Department, really, like, out of college, um, they found a black— Dead, mutilated black bear in Forest Park, which is in Queens, right? And a mutilated one, like someone had killed it, killed it, and dumped it, right? 
And then there was a kid in the neighborhood, I forget the kid's name, but he was like 11-year-old, but like a, kind of really, really religious. And he, he's the one that found the black bear. And when they found the black bear, a cross was on it. Which Did you see the black bear? No. Okay. Um, and so as far as I was concerned, now we had a dump black bear with a cross on it. So, this sounds like, what's that HBO show that with Matthew McConaughey that uh, everybody loved from a few? True Detective. Yeah. It sounds like bit. True Detective. And then, so then when Newsday, the reporter said to me, well, could this be Santeria? I said, who knows? Maybe so, right? Front fucking page, right? This thing goes on for days now. Because of your quote? Because of yeah. Santeria? <laughs> because I just sort Bradley of tacitly, Tusk, Parks o- I tacitly allowed people to gossip about it. And as a result, like the notion of Santeria in Queens, which apparently is pretty alive and well, because otherwise we wouldn't have had a three-day media fury around it. Wow, God, if that happened today, like that would be like global, or nothing, right? Oh, right because right, the truth is, yeah. we're, we're so much more because of climate change. You know, like my sister lives in New Jersey. There's bears in her neighborhood all the time, right? So it may be that it feels less weird to us because now we understand. It turned out that a couple of hunters had killed the bear and then took it back to the city. Didn't know what to do with it, and they threw it in the park. Uh, oh, it, they it, solved it. Yeah, I don't know if they found the people, but they were able to at least deduce what had happened. I mean, that's if you thought about it for a second, you'd kind of figure that out, I suppose. Right. So, but, you know, that was What does this interest. have to do with eating squirrel? It has to do with the fact that the minute you slightly uncover the lid on Santeria in New York City, it's quite active. So that's that's just, it's a corollary to eating squirrel. I see. But Santeria is not about, they, I know they kill chickens. No, but it's, but, it's subcultures of eating weird shit. Okay, okay, fair in enough. In New York City. Okay. All right, so it's your, your, your pick. Um, so this is maybe too broad a category, but I was thinking of things that seem normal even endorsed, uh, certainly chemotherapy, but like like these extreme sort of medical, not even extreme, but like I listen to this amazing podcast that I, I, I it's 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 a little long I think for your for your taste, but this guy Lex Friedman, who's a amazing sort of AI sort of scientist guy at MIT, has his podcast, and he had a had a, a biologist named Michael Levin on, mm-hmm. um, who was at Tufts University, and they just it was it was interesting across all. All manner of, of of areas, but in particular, uh, um, Michael Levin is mostly about regenerative biology, and he was the he was talking about uh, the ways that like cancer therapy will totally change, and what we do now. I mean, it's not a secret, or like people you know think chemotherapy is wonderful, um, but it's obviously a super harsh treatment that yeah. that kills healthy cells almost as much as it kills. Um, six cells, so it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's not barbaric. I mean, it does save people's lives. It'd be wrong to 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 paint it with with one brush, but certainly things like that. The the kinds of medical treatment we have are they're going to be so fine tuned and targeted. Yeah, we can't and, believe that. It's like leeches from a couple hundred years. Yeah, ago. like yeah, like bloodletting. That's exactly what I was right. thinking. Um, like totally crazy things. Yeah. now we'll just. You know. that, that's a good one. All right, I'm going to pick one that I think is unlikely to be true, but I'll make the case for it, which okay. is alcohol, right? Uh, gone and call it 100 years. And he, here would be— There's a lot of people going to be fighting not to let that happen. I, I get it. But but he, here would be the thesis behind it, which is there's no longer this like, oh, it's good for you to have two glasses a day of red wine. Like every study conclusively shows at this point that alcohol is just bad for you. And any of it is worse. It's amazing how hard they try, right? To like any of it is worse than none of it, right? So we know this thing is honestly fucking poison. Number one. Number two. As though that knowledge gets greater and greater, and as other forms of drugs develop, legalize, become more available, 
if the goal for people is to take the edge off so that they don't have to remember everything that they don't they don't happy about or to relax or whatever it is, right? Like the underlying goal of substance use I think is kind it's, of it's the also same. just to let your behavior go, right? Like yeah, isn't that sure. why young people take it? But I think that it? it is totally possible that it is seen that of the various ways to do that, alcohol ends up being one of the dumbest. Um, and people shift to other forms. Like, so for example, I, I quit drinking two years ago. I still smoke weed. Um, it's called, I think people call it California sober. And I, am I healthier than I was two years ago? Yeah, I think so. I'm a little lighter. Um, I think that, look, the best case scenario would be nothing at all. But I do think that between the two, cannabis is, is a healthier choice. So I I I, I, I endorse that one hundred percent. I think that's something. I don't I don't think we're I, I, fifty years. I think would be a little um, a little uh, a little hopeful. But the um, I just saw on, on I think it was Axios newsletter. They had a thing about alcohol consumption declining in the United States, and it declined like I mean I don't know how closely calibrated these studies are, but I think it was like. 65% of Americans drinking to like 61 or something, which is, you know, pretty big, uh, pretty big drop um, over, I don't know what their time frame was, a few yeah, years. I, I mean, think. cigarette smoking took the same. What about, what about sugar? What about it? Do you see a world where that's... Wait, it's not my... You, are you trying to pick two in a row? I'm just throwing... No, I'm not picking sugar. I'm just throwing it out as oh, a corollary. Let's get, like, oh, you're going to have to wait on sugar because right, I think right. I, I'm, I'm ready... Is it one of your things? No. All right. No, I'm going to draft something else and then you can go back to sugar okay. if that's your next one. It's not. I'm, well, it, it you ready? And I think this is going to go fast. So this might be faster. This is faster than 50 years. Could I'm going to say 10. Yeah. Baseball. No. Yeah, baseball. No. I watched the Yankees lose last night, and it made me hate no. everything about baseball. I hate everything about... Well, under I mean, that theory, yeah, wouldn't boxing and horse racing be gone already? They pretty much are. But they still exist. It there is funny that in 1950, tracks, boxing. boxing, horse racing, and baseball were the right. three that's most why, popular that's sports. Why I brought up. And boxing and horse racing are tiny... But they're niches, like, but I guess the question is going away or viewed as stupid, barbaric... Uh, you know, backwards. I don't think baseball will be viewed that way. Um, I think you're right. I do think that the, I mean, they talk about it all the time about how the demographics are terrible yep. and, you know, like people are picking other sports and the sort of cost structure of it is so crazy. It does feel like it'll have to crash. It, I mean, it might, yeah. Look, um, there's a world where the metaverse comes. And you say, you know what? We don't need the traditional structure of teams and leagues. Like, we don't have to do it this way at all. It could be an entirely big you know, moment to reset all of sports because the truth is if everyone is, is watching in the metaverse and attending in the metaverse, then you don't have, it doesn't have to be Major League Baseball. It could, it could be, what you know. What would do you think? What's your well, vision? I don't know. You, let's say you were the, the baseball union. You say to the players, okay, there's a 1,000 of us, whatever it is. Right now, at best, we get 50% of the revenue from the game. Why don't we organize ourselves into teams, you know, find a place to play? Maybe it's, it's more like the NBA bubble during the pandemic. Everyone watches in the metaverse, and we control all of the rights, all of the media rights, all of the gambling rights, all of the everything rights. And all of a sudden, people player, are definitely working on that the concept. Players are for taking sure. 100%. I think that's where pickleball is going. <laughs> that's, that's everyone's great fear. Um, okay, okay, we're going to let you have turn one more. It's, it's your my... turn. Um, you already sort of suggested what it's going to be, but I think this is the last one. Then we're gonna... really, don't you think? Maybe okay, but then I'm going to throw out some just random ones. Yeah, you can. I think that's a good code for right. the whole thing. All right, so I'll I'll go with pets as animals, in the sense that pets as animals should they be. Uh, is it not arguably another form of captivity? 
that we eventually come to see as, as uh, wrong and barbaric? I'm going to say no. Because people like having pets. Yeah, because it's good for pets. I mean, like, like it, 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 there just going to be dogs and cats running the streets in New York? Like, oh, it's, look, another cat. It's good cat. for them be, like, because they've been domesticated and therefore they're reliant on it. But if, it, if, if over 50,000 years dog evolution led to them sort of needing to coexist with humans, couldn't it go the other way in 50,000 years? 50,000. I'm just saying if you stop <laughs> treating them as pets, over time they would re-evolve back into totally wild animals. Well, sure, but some of the some of the animals that they're based on still exist. So, like wolves are a thing, right? So, like, will a Chihuahua become like a wolf? They'll become more wolf-like in over tens of thousands. But of don't, years. I would I would actually imagine with all this metaverse stuff that you talk about, like like pets would become a way bigger thing. People would want Why? them more because they want like a real thing that they that's like that's not like a, a digital recreation. Like like or, it, or they have the a, world doesn't just move in one direction. Well, right? yes, or, or maybe it does. Or so, what, what do we like from pets? Right, they're they're a source of comfort. Yeah, here you're talking about how awesome pets are. I, I do, but they're they're a source of. But actually, what I'm saying is totally logical. If you love pets, then you <laughs> might reach the conclusion that ultimately they shouldn't be kept as pets, right? So, uh, you know, what do we like them for? We like them for comfort. We like them for amusement. We like them for companionship. Companionship. Yeah. I don't know. Someone invented the metaverse. It's like, a super cool fucking dog that you take that provides all those things. You take care of just enough oh, to so feel connected. Oh, so the metaverse provides a better dog, but you don't have to walk it or right. pick up poop. Like maybe but, that but, ends but you up know, being. But better you know that option. taking care of something is actually the reason that you love it, right? It's not, they're not. They're, it's not like the fact that you love the dog is, is related to what a pain in the ass it is to like walk it on a on a rainy day. Right, builds the relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then you're like, I do something meaningful in the world, even when you haven't done anything all day long. And you're like, oh, I, but I walk the dog, therefore I'm a good human. You know. Do you think anyone actually resorts to that? Yeah, no, I think they do. That's I pretty, think that's, that's like a lot of people's lame. lives that's right pretty, there. That's pretty. That's a pretty low bar. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to just read off the other shit on your list, and I'll read off mine, or do you have? No, I don't. I don't have other shit on my list, so I just right. want you to read off yours. All right. Uh, so we did alcohol, meat, sugar. Social media was courtesy of Lyle Tusk this morning. Oh, that nice. was his, yeah. his suggestion. Yep. <laughs> yeah. um, oil. Although I don't think it'll, it won't be seen as sort of barbaric. It'll just be these are the tools that we had at that time, just like this. You know steam engine or whatever and like it it moves on um guns i would love to see a world where in 100 years we just can't believe that we let anybody have a gun right and maybe that's 250 years or maybe that's never but the government still has them the cops still have them i don't know maybe there's a, that's world a reason no- why there are guns right? right that's what everybody wants maybe there's a world where no one has a gun hmm. um you sound like john lennon extreme sports like why the fuck are they doing that What's wrong with these people? Because people are fucked up. What do you mean? Like, just, like just I mean, I agree. There. Do you like extreme sports? Do you watch that? No. no. I hate it. But no. like, people- or by the way, like, I like to ski. But sometimes I think about it when I'm doing it. I'm like, I have traveled the long distance at great cost. I am outside in the cold, which I don't really like the cold. <laughs> I've strapped my feet to these plastic or things. That'll and now I'm hurling, thing. whatever they are. And now I'm hurling myself down a mountain, which is fun. But I could easily get hurt or die, right? It logically makes no fucking sense at all, right? So maybe not just extreme sports. Let's take it a step further. Maybe maybe it's skiing becomes seen. Well, I think climate is going to take take care care of of skiing anyway. Right. I'm amazed that it still exists to the extent that it does because you're you're like, well, I guess there's fixed now. Um, I had um, LASIK. Like, what if it turns out that like it actually is like terrible for you I've always wondered about that so I had it 20 years ago in 2002 I totally recommend it it was my eyes are now going but it lasted 20 years Uh but I remember 
when I got back to City Hall, I was working for Mike at the time at City Hall, Dan Doktorov said to me, oh, I don't know, man, who knows what they're going to find out about this thing in 10 years or 20 years. And I think he's fortunately wrong, but it's always kind of stuck in the back but of But I will head. say this also, is that how many times does someone say that like every new technology, someone is Correct. like, there's a boomer. And sometimes it's true, right? Social media, look, like if someone had warned us like 15 years ago, like, hey, guess what this is going to do? Well, they would have been right. Okay, um, finish your list, and then should we talk about these other things? Or yeah. are, we, are we done? No, 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 let's talk. Okay. We're, we're, we're only around 25 minutes. I've, I've gotten used to now enjoying the sound of my own voice, so I want at least 20 more minutes. It's of the it. sound of my voice that people turn, tune in for. It turns out that's what people in Chicago <laughs> like, yes. Uh, I had physical war, you know, just that it'll be fought solely with drones and buttons. Um, I think we're, ab yeah, we're abortion, maybe on either side, right? Maybe not, but maybe over a 250 year period, it just becomes the, con the common view that either, of course, women have the right to do this or... Uh, well, know, that'll be a medical thing, right? There'll just be something or, where or, you can just fire blanks, right? Like, like they'll just be like some pill you can take and like... Yeah. Or, or the opposite, uh, suicide is sort of the right to do so. But that gets back to your original point about drugs and just sort of more autonomy over your own your own life. And then the last one I had was, and I wrote bottled water, question mark, or the opposite, question mark. Everything bottled. It could be that, right? Because there's no, everything's desalinated and we can't use sort of the normal functioning anymore, aqueducts and everything else. Or... We're close to that. <laughs> or maybe it's like, I can't believe we wasted these billions of dollars on plastic bottles that made the environment even worse and paid for something that is fucking free. Um, I don't know. I could see it going in the direction. Okay. But let's, let's flip to some new topics. Okay. So um, we had a whole list of things, but the thing that I, because I don't think we have that much time because we're almost at half an hour, but I want to ask you, because when we started talking about it before the recording, um, there was an article, I can't believe, by the way, the article you sent me was from the New York Times. I'm shocked. And I'm, I'm, I have to say, I'm, I'm weakening. You are. I'm weakening. God, that's so I know. distressing. I know. So, because um, I, I realized the only, the, this war against the Times, the only place it's being waged is in my head. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the problem. The New York Times, it's kind of the advantage they have. It's like, yeah. it's like being one war against like the sidewalk or something. It's just yeah. like this <laughs> fact of life. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you sent me this article about the sort of 30-year anniversary of Glengarry, Glen Ross, and, that's and Reservoir Dogs. you're going with this, huh? Interesting. Okay. Well, I was just interested in that because, so I rewatched. Um, actually, I'd never watched Glengarry, Glen Ross. I'd seen the play, I think. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, like everybody was talking about that, and I think I watched it. But anyway, I knew about it. Maybe I'd done readings of it in like theater classes or something. But I watched it, and then, but Glengarry, Glen Ross, and Reservoir Dogs, I want your thoughts on both of them. Let's start with Glengarry, Glen Ross, since I've watched that most recently. But go ahead. Yeah. What do you like about it? Why well, does it I, stick in your head? So I, I'm, I'm looking up the notes your that notes. I sent you. Okay. No, when, when we were oh, texting about oh, I this. See. Okay. And so, so Reservoir Dogs and Glengarry, Glen Ross both turned 30. So they're definitely different. So you were like in college. I, I was in college. I loved both of them. They were still different types of movies, right? And I think for me at least... Reservoir Dogs was more impactful. One, I've probably seen it 25 times. It was sort of the era of Quint the ushering in of Quentin Tarantino. Did you say you've seen Reservoir Dogs 25 times? Yeah, I think so. Probably not most recently until the last couple of years, but you I think I watched the last few years. It's so funny because you just said you don't rewatch really movies. I know. I have a couple of movies, though. True Romance, Reservoir Dogs. True Romance is good. Oh, yeah. my God. That first scene of True Romance with, with Christopher Walken and, and uh, Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Oh my God! It's a great Still scene. scares the it's, shit out of me just thinking it, about yeah, it. Yeah, the problem is I'm not sure you could have that scene today. It would be, in terms of, in terms of social norms changing. No, you couldn't. 
this two white people using the N-word, and I think now it would be fe- seen as this is just not appropriate, regardless of how bad these people are supposed to be in the, in the movie. I think you're right. Else. right. Um, he, he, here's what I wrote, uh, and it's more specifically about Reservoir Dogs and Glengarry Glen Ross, but uh, for me, some of it reflected my own attempts to toughen up uh, and then became a, you know, so so as I've talked on this podcast a lot, you know, I sort of had a pretty rough childhood of just tons and tons and tons of bullying. And it kind of ended right around when I was in kind of middle of college and it ended in Parker. I just decided, fuck this. Uh, I'm not going to live like this anymore. And I will pay any cost or consequence it takes to change that. And it changed. But I think to a certain extent, uh, a movie like uh, Reservoir Dogs helped me feel a little more like a tough guy. Um, and therefore that helped and kind of encouraged me to do what I need to do. But what about Glengarry Glen Ross? Because one of the things about that movie, having just watched it, is that it's almost like a like a study in bullying. You know, it's like it's yeah. They, like in fact, it's one of the things we, we were talking about that makes it a little hard to watch because the guys are just so on each other. Uh, it's about these salesmen at a like a at a kind of rip off like real estate firm, and they're 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 just at war with each other from like the minute the movie starts to it ends. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think what's interesting in terms of things that have changed a little bit is the uh, expansion of the concept of empathy, right? So in, in the thing that you would say, that, that would, if I watch Glengarry Glen Ross today, I think the thing that might strike me the most is there's zero, these people have zero empathy, there's zero empathy between them, um, it is a completely zero sum. No, it's just like apes. Everyone for yourself, <laughs> yeah. right? And I think that at least in some parts of our society, that, that notion of empathy has advanced and for your own good and well-being, you wouldn't necessarily treat your colleagues that way simply because long-term it does more harm than good. Like I think about our, our employees at all of our different businesses. Um, we pay people, I think, really well. We, we provide benefits that are you know way above market. We try to give people a lot of autonomy and freedom. And if you're not performing, we put you on probation and eventually move you out. But the point being, I, I'm doing all of this because I think it's a better business model, right? I think I attract more talent, retain more talent by having a workplace that values empathy as opposed to a let's squeeze every penny we can out of everything. It, it may in the short term produce higher margins, but I think in the long term it really reduces your overall production. Right. But if you're running a criminal enterprise like they are in Glengarry Glen so, Ross, the empathy factor. This would be interesting, yeah. right? Could you run a criminal enterprise with that? Right. Is with, there like a Bloomberg LP of criminal enterprise where it turns out, is there a crime lord in this country or in the world that says, you know, this is what I just this said. This is our TV show, Bradley. This is like the the, the, the sort of benevolent dictator who runs well, like we a- kind of Remember we originally, I had that idea, I even wrote a script for it, uh, about, this was like five, six years ago, so cannabis hadn't quite advanced, where it was about a campaign to legalize recreational cannabis in Illinois, which has since happened. Um and on one side of it were all the reformer types making the arguments that I made through this podcast. And on the other side were the cartels. Right. And they were, they were funding the, the no campaign to try to make sure that marijuana stayed illegal to preserve their market. This is a better idea, though, this idea. You think the, so? The, the, well, just that. Can you imagine like a, like a criminal enterprise where they have all the snacks like they have at Bloomberg? Like you just walk in and you can just eat can for free? Can you get more than like a five-minute joke out of that, though? Well, I mean— You'd, you'd need you need to have like a like it couldn't be the only element of the show like you could have like like brothers right who both ran criminal enterprises and one ran like the the super tight 
wide and one ran like a yeah like a peace loving criminal enterprise right, I mean one, the Sopranos a little bit with the whole like therapy thing kind of used that sort of right? although he was a mad dog in no, his understood, but they, they, they showed like different sides of it or this weekend I was at, at dinner with some friends and I was in Chicago and um, oh, did you stay through through the weekend I did and two, two things one is at some dinner the, no, the concept of a nursing home for sociopaths came up which I thought could be actually a pretty funny. Uh, you'd have to be a comedy, but a, a pretty funny TV show or story. Sort of or like like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but like uh, like sort of updated. <laughs> yeah, uh, a little bit. But not only did someone in Chicago tell me they liked the sound of your voice, another person emailed me and said, "Hey, I've really been wanting to meet with you for years. I heard in your podcast you're going to be in Chicago," and I was like. All right, fine. Like if you, oh my God, it's catching on. Yeah, if, if you went to that much trouble, okay. Um, <laughs> and he was a nice guy, but uh, but anyway, so that that's my take on Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. I think we're going to leave it there because we're at a, we're at a good time. We have a lot more to talk about, but we'll just well, leave. Aaron it Judge's it. last game as a Yankee. Do you think we should? Well, do you think it is that? his last game as a Yankee? I hope. Are you so. going on record as like Aaron Judge is I'm not, the Yankees? I'm not predicting it, but here's here's what I would say. So Aaron Judge is the best player on the most valuable team in baseball, right? Not necessarily the the best team in baseball, but a consistently good team. Dodgers have got to be right there, right? That's high. Yeah, Dodgers and then you know, sports, I don't know, Lakers, Cowboys, Manchester United, whatever, right? Knicks. Knicks. <laughs> uh, so uh, the question is, can they afford to sign him? Absolutely. Um, could they afford to not resign him? Maybe not, right? Because he is definitely their best player, and part of their entire value proposition is that they are consistently a good team. But they lowballed him last year. To his great credit, he said, "Go fuck yourself. I'm going to better myself." He then had a extraordinary historic yeah. season. Incredible, right? And you know, might the Yankees throw the most money at him? Yeah, but but there are other teams, like there were mentioned, San Francisco Giants, that also have tremendous amounts of money. And he's from somewhere in Northern California, and he might just say, you know what? Fuck the Yankees. They didn't appreciate me when, when they should have. Uh, I'll take the equivalent amount of money and play somewhere else. Or I'll take, you know, in the context of a $400 million contract, even a $25 million differential might be de minimis enough that he might say, you know, I'd rather be here. I don't, maybe he doesn't like Aaron Boone. I, I don't know. But the point is, as a— He doesn't seem like somebody who's harboring secret no, grudges or anything. doesn't seem like—as a—, as a Petty, vindictive Mets fan, who has petty to and vindictive for sure, Mets, yeah. for sure, <laughs> who has to root against the Yankees because my own team can't bring me enough satisfaction in and of itself. Um, the only thing that would make the sweep against the Astros even better would be if Judge then promptly left. Very well said. So uh, we'll leave on this note. I got a text from Howard. I bet you got it too. Did he say like, what's the last uh, New York superstar who left in the prime of their career? He mentioned two of them. Ooh, let's see. One of them is near and dear to your heart as a Mets fan. That's the strawberry or Seaver. Seaver Thompson. Yeah, he got traded. That was just stupidity. And by the way, also Nolan Ryan. Although it wasn't the prime yeah, of his career, it was like, early in his career. Yeah, they, they definitely screwed but that it up. But cer- certainly came so out. So the other one is a little will be hard to guess because it was involved in the. Well, I'll see if you can get it. Well, so I'm going to go basketball just because it's, right. it's you guys, right. right? The answer clearly would have been Durant if he had been. Traded, right? Although he's arguably he, not the prime of his career, but no, yes. and, and New York's never really embraced him either. Right, but still, um, when did Dr. J leave the that's Nets? It. Yeah, that's the one he picked. So that was in like 1976 or 77, right when the ABA and the NBA merged. He yeah. was left, there. Well, but also they like played on Long Island. They really weren't like a you Do- know. right. But Dr. J is because when Durant came to the Nets, I remember saying he is actually the best NBA player to ever put on a New York team. Uniform. Now he does still doesn't feel like a New York athlete, 
but his career is better than anyone on the Knicks or anyone on the Nets. And the question is, after him, is Dr. J clearly the next person on that list? For basketball, yeah. Ahead of Walt Frazier, Willis Reed, Patrick Ewing. I think so. I mean, those, I mean, the thing about the Knicks teams is that they were they were real teams. Like, they didn't have dominant stars. They had many, many great players, but they didn't have, like, one guy like Durant or Dr. J. Right. So, yes, maybe so. Um, okay. Uh, I guess. Uh, I, it's funny. I kind of want to just keep talking. I know, but we, you know we have next week. And you so always have another... good topics. <laughs> well, we can make it all save till next all week. All right. We'll save them for next week. All right. Well, thank you, Hugo. Uh, and to the listeners, uh, please come to the bookstore. Please rate and review us on your shows. And generally speaking, if you want to learn more about anything we're up to, you can go to BradleyTouch.com. Or, and you know what that'll do is it'll get you to... Uh, firewall website or Pericles or TVP or, or P&T Netware or Strategies or, or whatever it is, or Sobis for Columbia, whatever it is we're doing. Um, if you want to learn more about that, do that and then just reach back out to us at Firewall.media. We'd love to hear from you. All right, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.